read yesterday's paper? Of course. You saw the front page. Terror maker. The Unabomber type guy, right? Yeah, homegrown terrorist who sent his victims wax figurines as calling cards. So-called burning men. They all died. Apparently they were burned by some kind of biological agent. Yeah, one that seemingly burned his victims alive from the inside. Yeah, but no wax burning man was found here. That could have melted in the fire. And the terror maker's dead, Kolchak. How could he take a new victim when he died a year ago? That's what I want to know. That was the voice of reporter Carl Kolchak on the case that we're calling Burning Man. This has nothing to do with that festival out in the desert. I was really hoping that it did. This episode aired October 20th, 2005. This is from The Night Stalker, the reboot. Not Kolchak, The Night Stalker, but just The Night Stalker. I am your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is Mr. Chris Stashu. Be the terror maker. Be the... Danny, be the terror maker. And he was. I love that name. Doug Panera? No, I love the terror maker. Right? It's such a stupid name. <laughs> the terror maker god holy shit can you imagine can you imagine if that was a real like serial killer name the terror maker strikes again yeah okay what is his friends the keebler elves with him because that's what it sounds like uh, the terror maker sounds like someone captain planet would fight he's not recycling he's in bed with big oil like that's it's so goofy but I'm curious, Mike, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was a very serviceable episode. I um, enjoyed quite a bit of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm also Chris Sashi, by the way. I didn't even say who I was. But I liked it a lot, too. I liked it up until like the last five minutes. And then it completely just takes everything good about it and just kind of throws it in the trash, unfortunately. Uh, but up until that point, I really enjoyed it. Well, this one was written by Noah Balin, whose work I'm probably familiar with, but not by that name. Um, Noah Balin just you know, doesn't roll off the tongue uh, as much as it should. Though he's, of course, he's done his fair share, uh, Law and Order, and Night Stalker. He was also one of the um, the executive story editor, but he hasn't really done a whole lot uh, since then since like 2007 so i'm not sure why he's not uh, working more but uh the tv show heartland put him out of the business for yeah good. it's that treat williams you know right it's the thing i always say about writers though it's just like you know you can work your entire life and have like two credits to your name but it's just because of arbitration and all that and this one was directed by tony warmby and he's uh Still out there, he's doing NCIS episodes. He's doing the whole NCIS universe, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS uh, Los Angeles. I almost said Louisiana, but that's New Orleans. So, yeah, he's he's definitely out there doing a whole bunch of stuff. And he worked on Bones for forever. So And he also worked on the X-Files as well. Yeah. And one episode of Supernatural. Well, and those, uh, if anyone knows anything about Supernatural or the X-Files, which if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously do, these shows are all pretty much from the same vein. And these shows, I'm talking about 2005, Kolchak. Right. Not a whole lot of uh, Jane in this one. I was There There was like a whole section where there was no Jane, and then he kind of came in at the beginning at the end. I, I liked this episode for a lot of it. And like you said, some of the main characters are missing, like... Like Jane McManus. But at the same time, I feel like 
this is finally, and this is the fourth episode of the show. Mind you, there's only ten episodes, so we're nearing halfway here. This episode is where I feel like the show is finally hitting its stride. Well, this is a good mix of, like, a... Uh, a one-off weekly type episode also with just a little bit i mean it just hints at the larger story the the mythology of the show but it doesn't really dive into it but it's a solid story and it's something that i could see Mulder and scully taking on and maybe even dean and sam taking on so it's it's a very tight little story I feel like, though, if it had been in either of those shows, and surprisingly, it's not this in Night Stalker, it completely shirks the supernatural aspect of it right at the end, which to me is a little odd. Because there would have been like, in, in Supernatural or X-Files, there would have been like a a stinger right near the end or even at the right at the end that reinforced that there is more going on, even if the characters in the episode don't see it. And that for me, that for me, like, kind of takes the wind out of this episode a little bit. Because, I mean, two seconds into this episode, you're already calling that Michael O'Keefe is the killer. Like, there's not a question. And that's a huge issue. There's another huge issue that I have with this episode. Is they telegraph that from the first time you see him. Which is astoundingly poor writing. Well, though they try to throw us William Lucking as a red herring, but I'm just not having it at all. Well, I mean, come on. Let's be honest. When you're named after a big green lizard on Star Trek, you're not going to be the killer. I mean, was he supposed to be... Gorn? Were we supposed to... Was, well, no. Was he, was he Gorn from Star Trek? No. Was he supposed to be the killer? Was that... Was that they were supposed to be leading us to think he was the killer? I was going back and forth as far as like how much information he had. And then there's a moment where they're like, these things don't add up. And it's like, is it just poor reporting or is it that he's the killer? But no, it's kind of more poor reporting. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. They talk about fake news multiple times. But we're talking about like the interaction between Stuart Townsend and Gabriel Union, which is the, essentially the, the framework of this show. It's very good in this episode. Though I don't buy Carl Kolchak saying flame on at the beginning of that. It just lands so flat. Be I don't believe him wearing Tony Bahama shirts either. No, because we are back in the land of spontaneous combustion, which we talked about two months ago when we were talking about uh, Rider Storm. Uh, bursting into flames and uh or people around rider storm bursting into flames on the firefall episode and here we have spontaneous combustion again which i was very happy to see but no is it spontaneous combustion or is it a biological agent a super secret biological agent one that could have been found in the X-Files. Well, that's the thing. They, like, they hang the lantern on this, like, it's a super secret thing. The government is doing all kinds of bad things. Guys, that's so, that's so cheap. That's, like, season 8, 9, 10 of the X-Files cheap. The government's up to no good. Eh, okay. I mean, we're shown in this, in this episode and in previous episodes of the Night Stalker that the government couldn't find its ass if its hands were taped to it. So, you know, they have the killer working in their midst and they don't even realize it. And yet we're supposed to believe that the government is has all these horrible chemical agents. And then it turns out that that's the case. And somehow it gets to you through these little wax statues, which are the burning man of the title, um, though they're kind of weird because I, I mean, there's this whole thing about how you have to touch one 
but then it's like how long does that stuff stay on the burning man like if i were to pick one up after a guy had burned would i also burn if one guy handed it to me would we both burn i i don't necessarily get how that's going though they are very careful to pick them up uh gingerly later on in the episode when they find a whole case full of them that um is it michael keith knocks it over one of them knocks over a whole case i'm just like oh come on guy so they have like a a a tiny misdirect with another character played by price carson the character's name is glenn overton who is maybe the killer and had been investigated as the killer but was passed off as just like a a deranged like wacko who was copycatting but actually not killing anyone so it this episode it's a good episode but it's only good if you don't think about it too much because it starts to fall apart really quickly. It falls apart under the weight of its own premise because Noah Balin, it's almost like he was writing this episode for a show with supernatural elements and then right at the end was like, oh no, sorry, I'm actually writing a a show, uh, an episode for Law and Order because that's what it pivots to right at the end. Right, yeah, there's nothing supernatural because they are talking about this terror maker guy who... One says that he could summon hellfire, and that's why people are burning up. Two has been dead for all these years. So you have two different things. Is it that this guy's back from the dead? Is it that he's capable of summoning hellfire from the grave or in person? And then we just kind of, yeah, to your point, we just throw them away at the end and go, no, it's actually this super secret biological agent. And that to me is a huge missed opportunity. It just, it it goes back to the issue I have with this show. And it's, it's a different problem than the issue I have with the original show. And I know that that's sacrilege for some people. And we'll talk about those people here in a little bit. But we'll talk about them. But when I think about the 2005 Kolchak show, The Night Stalker, it always strikes me as a show that never fully went there, even when it was given the opportunity. And when you're making a show based off of a show that goes there, that has monsters and other supernatural elements, and you don't pull the trigger on it, why are you even making a show called The Night Stalker or Night Stalker. Why are you making a show that has Kolchak in it to begin with? Because it feels like a waste of time. Right. Well, in this episode, they play with this idea, but they never fully go there, which is that our we eventually run into this FBI agent or kind of former FBI agent, but he's still on the payroll. He just doesn't go into the office. Who's played by Michael O'Keefe, who to your point from earlier, most people know from Caddyshack. And he obsesses about this case, about this terror man case, much to everyone around him, his detriment. And so we kind of get this idea of this is who Kolchak could be if he's not careful and he obsesses about the case with his wife too much. But we don't, they never kind of connect those dots. I mean, they kind of like... They lead us there a little bit, but they never fully take us there. Like, you need to watch yourself or you'll become like I am or something like that. And, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because Michael O'Keefe, he's, I thought he was really good in this. It was very super spooky a lot of times. Um, I recognize him more for his voice and his 
call mannerism that I noted, you know, recognized him from anything else other than Caddyshack. And I just kept saying, like, where do I know this character? Not not the actor, but where do I know this character from? And I think it was when he was going back to Law and Order, he was playing a uh, a priest on Special Victim soon, and I think he had that kind of same mannerism as he did here. It's just, to me, the episode is, like you said, it's good. It, it, there's a lot of good stuff in this episode, but it undermines itself a, a, with, with the ending. Michael O'Keefe is fantastic, and then it's completely undermined with how, how lame. The ending is lame. That's the only word I could use. It's just lame. It's a cop-out. And I do like the rivalry that we have with Gorn and Kolchak and Perry. And this one, you know, I could see this being, if I were to rewrite this as an X-Files episode, this is the older guy on the case um, who's been around forever and that they know more information than him and they're willing to explore more avenues than he is. But he's the, the guy in charge, so they're, you know, can't go around him necessarily. I don't necessarily get this whole, he's national, he's national, he's the national desk, and you're the local desk. I don't know if it's really that, like, stringent around places, but but maybe. I mean, I haven't worked at a newspaper before, and not that most people are working there now. Oof, oof, no, that's true. <laughs> Kolchak be out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go home and write my blog like Carrie from... Sex in the City. Or what was that other one? Veronica Mars? Isn't that another one of those blog shows? I don't know. I've never watched I never watched it. I would read Veronica Mars's blog, but not Carrie Bradshaw's. And well, and according to Kim Cattrall, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker needs to leave her the, the fuck, fuck alone. A little bit of sex and sex and the city drama, not sex in the city. Sex and the city drama. I, I do want to touch upon something you, you mentioned about the whole like aspect of you could lose yourself and become the bad guy. Yeah, they touched upon it in the last minute of the episode. And it's it again, it's just it's so forced. And knowing where this show goes, knowing that this show effectively is unfinished and it never really has a conclusion of value that anyone who likes this show or appreciates what this show is trying to do would enjoy, being like, well, Kolchak, you could lose yourself to this and you could become the monster. Like it's like, oh, it just feels so tacked on and there's like those quick cuts at the end about what happened to Kolchak's wife. And it's just so, again, it just, it feels, it feels so lame because we know where the show is going. There's no payoff. Well, I don't want to pile on, but I'm going to. And that's to say that Kolchak breaking the case because uh, Doug Panero oh, has the same red marker that was used to write the note that says I'm back with a Burning Man statuette in there. What the hell? It's like no one else has a red Sharpie. I, I could be the terror man for all I know. <laughs> the terror man, the burning terror taker maker. God, it, God no, it, that again, that just for me factors into the end of this episode where it just, it completely just gives up instead of, you know, you know, Ah, Kolchak, just steer into the fucking skits. Like, nah, just take my hands off the fucking wheel and let the car crash. Because fuck it. That's what it, that's what it strikes me. It's like, fuck it. It's because of a pen. Oh my god. What the fuck? What the fuck is this? This, this Columbo? Columbo was never this bad. Perry Mason was never this bad. 
None of these shit, they're fucking pen. Oh, come on. What is this, Sesame Street? Who stole the Cookie Monster's cookies? It's by the crumbs on their mouth, you could see. Well, you know, it's that, it's that level of, like, it's infantile almost. Right, no, no. Columbo, I mean, you, you, you take a bite of cheese, and he's got your tooth mark, and all this kind of stuff. There's all of these things, and you kind of back the person in there. This one, it's almost like, wow, that was a real lucky guess. Yeah, well, yeah, really. <laughs> it's like fucking children's mystery theater. Really, it's like a high school play. Oh, how did they do it? It's just, it's so dumb. And you see him, like, grab the pen and mark. It's like, really? like the... Yeah, it's like the Pedia Brown would be laughing at this. Yeah, it's so goofy. What is this, Clue, the TV show all of a sudden? Like, Clue, Clue Jr., the TV show? I don't know. I... Again, that that for me, that whole the pen being what is the downfall of Michael O'Keefe's character, it just it reinforces that they really had no idea how to end this episode. Yeah, and there's that weird thing too where like his wife is missing at one point, but then she comes back right as this is happening, just so that she can be there when he burns up at the end. Right, like, he, it, they almost make it seem like his wife, he kills his wife? Right. Where's your wife, Doug? Ah, uh, she's out. He oh, went on okay. a drive. She took a drive. Which, by the way, in most shows when someone says that, they're, they, they get murdered. Because, I, mean, I mean, you're assuming from the way it's written that he knows that the net is closing in on him. Maybe. Maybe he didn't think shit was so stupid that he could be caught by a pen. If I had been him, I just would have been like, no, that's not me. Yeah, yeah, I just got back from Home Depot, or sorry, I got back from Office Max. Right. No, that's not me. Uh, okay, the end. Well, there you go. But luckily, I have this uh, figure hidden in my pocket, so let me just grab onto this. Oh, now I'm burning up. Right. Well, and again, again, you even before the pen, you see him grab that figure and stick it in his pocket. Which, if anyone is playing along here, that's like ding, 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 bingo for any of these shows. Like, this feels more NCIS, Law and Order, than it does Kolchak. And with what Noah Balin has worked on, that's not a surprise. So I have to say points for the second guy who burns up, who's in a pool. Though I was really kind of hoping, like, that would you know, affect the process, and so we'd get to see the charred body uh, laying there afterwards or in the pool still floating, but nope. There's a level of... Uh, there's a level of nonchalance towards the story that is a, is disappointing for how how engaging the first half of this episode is. I was, I was thoroughly engaged by what was going on, and then the later half of the episode falls so flat that it, it, it bums me out. Yeah, and I really like the interplay that was going on between Perry and Gorn and just the way that he was just this sexist asshole and calling her sweetie and stuff. And, you know, I was just like, okay, great. He's going to get his comeuppance at some point. But no, he doesn't. And I'm sure he probably never comes back. No, probably not. I, I doubt it. Though I, I like the actor and I like what he was doing with the character. Right. Oh, I, I thought he was great. I mean, it was like a, you know, secondary protagonist. Pro protagonist, but or I guess secondary antagonist, not protagonist, but and I also like and this this is probably gonna drive and we're finally gonna talk about it. This is probably gonna drive some of the folks wild when I say this, and this is a hot take. It's nice to see, and I think you might know what I'm gonna say, Mike. It's nice to see Vincenzo actually being given somewhat of a character. 
as opposed to the Night Stalker, the show, Kolchak the Night Stalker, where he's extremely one note and serves as the person that Kolchak yells at. He's actually given a character in this show, albeit he's not on screen a whole lot of times. But when he is, they seem to make the best of it, especially in this episode where, you know, he actually sticks up for Kolchak and Perry Reed. He does a Skinner. I'm not going to tell you who to talk to, but if you were to go talk to someone, essentially that. Right, and he actually lets the story stand at the end. I guess probably because there's no supernatural stuff in the story whatsoever, but he has their story run and screw Gorn. I thought I thought at the end, of, no, I thought at the end of the episode it didn't. They say, you know, uh, Panero let the demons get him. And that's the real killer. And Vincenzo says, well, the other guy was knee deep in stolen stuff because he was a truck driver. So, but I mean, it's it's not hard to get confused because, again, with how poor the writing in this show is sometimes, it, it's thoroughly disappointing that the ending of this episode is is mangled as well. Because honestly, the ending should have been Vincenzo is sticking with their story because he sticks up for him. But then again, he, you know, er, er, pull up, pull up. And he, you know, at the last second, it's like, what, why do you even, why even give, why even give him the interaction with them where he's like, I'm going to stick up for you guys. If at the end of the episode, he's like, ah, never mind, by the way, it's kind of, uh, again, just, it's just disappointing. Now you can just go back to the Kolchak fan group with your tail between your legs and say, yeah, you're right. Those 2005 episodes just aren't any good. I love the Kolchak fan group on the Facebook page to death. But guys and girls, men and women of all ages, colors and creeds, you guys need to quit it with the 2005 Kolchak hate because the original show is good. But man, there are a lot of problems with it. A lot of problems. It's not the best written show ever made. It's a good show that affected and really did a good job of of creating a, a whole genre of shows that came after it. But the original show has a lot of problems. And so does the 2005 show. And pretending like the 2005 show doesn't exist, I don't think that's fair to the 2005 show. I don't think it's that bad. I don't even think it's bad at all. I think it's about, you know, I think it's written about as well as the original show. Because the original show has a lot of problems as well. And and there's my hot take. I don't know. Did I just disavow myself in your eyes too, Mike? No, no, definitely not. I think... You need to go back to 2005 and see if there's, you know, diamonds in the rough going on in here. If not diamonds, at least cubic zirconia, because there's some good stuff happening. There's some good ideas happening. It's it's a solid little show. Uh, it doesn't have the the charm of the original, but it's also dealing with the, you know, this is a post X Files world that we're dealing with here, so. Everything's got to be different than what Kolchak was. This cannot be as bright and cheery as the world that Kolchak lives in. So it'd be great if it could. I mean, I think if anything, folks are kind of more having nostalgia for 1974 than for 2005. But, you know, I mean, yeah, there's some, some decent stuff happening in Night Stalker that people just need to kind of appreciate. It is not... This is not the U.S. remake of Coupling. This is not uh, the second, the Tim Burton, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. You know, there's a there's a, a, a lot of stuff here to love. It is not just this, 
you know, uh, um, just this monster before the eyes of God, like those other things are. Well, and again, and I will stand once again on my soapbox here and, you know, throw all the hatred you want at me. You know, this isn't this is my opinion. This is not Mike's opinion. Look, the original show, Shack the Night Stalker, it had how many episodes? How many episodes? I I think 20, because this was also canceled before the last two episodes ran. Right. This show had how many episodes? 10, okay? And some of those didn't even get aired. We have already talked about several episodes of the original show that if you were watching the original show, you would skip because they're not good and they're a, they're they're a waste. They're a wasted opportunity at an interesting idea. Namely, oh, I don't know, the zombie episode or the werewolf episode. Both episodes neither one of us liked very much. Best best of my remembrance. Mind you, that was like over a year ago now. But saying a whole, a whole show is bad, a show that has 10 episodes, that similarly to Night Stalker, the original, 74, got canceled before its time. You know, there's, like you said, there are things about, as poorly executed as this show's mythology is at least it's trying at least it's trying to have a mythos it never but again it never really gets going and that and that for me it's just people like you said people need to temper their expectations if you're going into this expecting darren mcgavin and you know the jokey screaming at vincenzo that's not what they were going for this is you know this is mid-2000s this is this is around the same time that batman got rebooted into the dark, gritty, realistic Batman. That's what they were going for with this. Was like a gritty, more realistic, grounded, law and order-ish X-Files. And and that's what it is. Just so nobody takes me to task, 20 episodes of The Night Stalker, Kolchak The Night Stalker aired, and apparently there was an order of 26, but there were three scripts that were kind of floating around. So there's 20 produced, 23 scripts and 26 was supposed to happen that first season and the night stalker 2005 what like four episodes never even aired they went they they were digitally available on itunes out of i don't know how many maybe 12 or 13 for that season right i mean what's the frequency cold check of everything i've read about it kind of doing research for this 2005 show yes it it leaves a lot of stuff hanging and the mythos doesn't get tied up but think about any other show you've ever seen that you may have fallen in love with that was canceled before its time i have my own personal favorite show that i love to death that got canceled after 10 episodes got canceled after two episodes and the other eight episodes were available on the DVD release of it. That show is Kitchen Confidential with Bradley Cooper playing Anthony Bourdain. And yes, that's a real thing. But it's similar to this. You, it's kind of hard to judge this show on its own because it never was really given the chance to be its own thing. It was kind of stuck in this being Kolchak, but not really. And maybe if it had gotten a full season, we would have been able to kind of see where it was going. Well, it always goes back to Star Trek The Next Generation. If you're going to look at the show's first probably three seasons, you're looking at a really bad show. Right. Well, I mean, think about, uh, God, uh, well, I'm trying to think. There are shows out there that people have told me to watch, like, just skip the first season or skip these episodes. It's like, you, you have to understand something here. This show, if this show had gone on for two or three seasons, I can guarantee you we probably would have been saying, skip the first fucking season of the show or skip these episodes. They're not necessary. 
And that's my takeaway here. That's what I want people to actually actively go back. It's on Prime Video. And if you don't have Amazon Prime, I don't know what to tell you because most people have Amazon Prime. But you can watch it for free on your Apple TV or your phone or your computer. Give it another shot because it's it's not great, but neither is the original show. And that's kind of what made it so good is that it was a flawed show that was then really kind of distilled and turned into something else that ended up being really good and even better. But they had to start somewhere and they started here. And there's a reason why we're talking about Night Stalker. It's because it was a good show, but it's not amazing. And and neither is this show. And also come up with something else to talk about, because talking about how bad this show is and talking about who should play Kolchak now, that's, there's got to be more to talk about. Come on. Kolchak the Night Stalker, you know, it hasn't been around for how many years now? It's 13. 40 years? Oh, are we talking about... Oh, we're talking about the... Oh, hold on. We're, so we're ignoring the 2005 show, I'm Mike? I'm just saying that the original <laughs> show hasn't been around for 40 years, so... Right. It's... Yeah. It's got to be tough to dig out new material about this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I love Kolchak. I love Darren... I can't tell if I love the show or if I love Darren McGavin in the show. It's like a mix of both. Because some of the episodes have been so hokey that they're almost unexcusably hokey. But I love Darren McGavin. And that's why I keep watching it other than doing this podcast. But if I weren't doing this podcast, that's why I would watch it over and over is because Darren McGavin as Kolchak is a fantastic character. But Stuart, Town- Stuart Townsend doing his own thing as Kolchak's not bad either. It's different. It was never going to be Darren McGavin. And I-, I think that's actually kind of a good thing, right? Because not doing an imitation of Darren McGavin, that would have been bad. Plus, like, how how realistic is a guy walking around a pork pie hat in the 2000s? <laughs> Come on, guys. I would have been. Get Johnny Depp to do it. <laughs> Trick Triggered them all. <laughs> Get Brian Cranston. <laughs> Cranston could do it. Cranston could do it. I don't I don't want Kolchak to come back. He doesn't need to come back. I'm okay if he does. But you know what I mean? He doesn't have to. I mean, he's already come back. He's come back through the Winchester brothers, through Mulder and Scully, through Fringe. Just kidding. Um, but he's already come back. I'm not sure we need Kolchak. We've got better versions of Kolchak sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if you want a Mulder and Scully that's kind of funny and fits more along the lines of Kolchak, I would say check out Special Unit 2. I mean, that was... I really enjoyed that show. Check out The Chronicle. That was another one that was really good. Yeah, you know, it's just... We know that Chris Carter was inspired by Kolchak when he wrote the X-Files. And we've all, we've talked, I mean, I don't think we've done an episode yet where we haven't talked about the X-Files or Supernatural. But those are the, like, like Mike just suggested, those are the, those are two of a huge swath of shows that cop the theme and the setting and even sometimes the narrative from Kolchak. I'm off my soapbox. (laughs) Somebody had to say it, okay? Right, right, Mike, someone had to say it because it's just, I don't know, maybe people will hate me for it, but I don't care, like. Do you think people actually listen to this show? (laughs) Yeah, I say that to myself every time I record a Culture Cat. So, Chris, what's new at the Culture Cast? Not a whole lot. We just wrapped up Rom-Com Month, and that was fun. We got to talk about Mickey Rooney and Breakfast at Tiffany's. I said we weren't going to, but we did anyways. And, boy, I think the world is is worse off for it. 
Uh, Mickey Rooney, however, was never told by anyone that he wasn't funny in that role, so you were lied to, Mickey Rooney. But other than that, just doing movies, talking movies, trying to coax Mike out of his his little hidey hole so he can come join us on a culture cast. I'm like a hermit crab. Yeah. What about you, Mike? What's going on over at my favorite movie podcast? That's right. You're my favorite movie podcast. What's going on over at the projection? Oh, shucks. Uh, we, we last year, there were a lot of great plans that were dashed because I was out of the country. So we uh, moved our noir vember stuff to noir brewery and we just finished up talking about the Maltese Falcon kiss me deadly and LA confidential. So that was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, many more things in store. I'm, announcing all of the rest of the year's movies and we'll see if i actually hold to that schedule this time yeah i have a problem holding to the schedule as well so i i understand the uh i understand the dilemma that you are you are facing because it is it is hard sometimes are there any good movies coming out this summer other than black panther uh ant-man and the wasp are you asking seriously there's the avengers there's ant-man and the wasp there's I'm just saying Marvel movies now. I'm not even saying anything else. <laughs> I was going to say, we're, oh, S- Solo, a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Man, we just named all the Disney movies. Yeah, Solo looks like shit. So, by, by the way, <laughs> there you go. God, uh, I can't think of anything, really. I mean, it's not, I mean, it, this is one of those, like, off summers, I guess. Is it? I don't know. Infinity War is coming out. I'm excited for the next Daniel Day-Lewis film. That that next movie is going to be in after the Phantom Thread, right? The one that he's going to be in because he can't stay retired for less than six months. Him and Steven Soderbergh and Kevin Smith all getting together and making movies. All the retired men, guys. If you're going to retire, just retire or just don't say anything. Goofy bastards. You know Gene Hackman. He stuck to it, man. Yeah, he and you know every time I reach out to him to get an interview, his agent says he's too old to talk on the phone now. Wow. It's okay. That's fine. Sure. I'm not going to dispute that. The man's a legend. Yeah. So next month, we're back to the original Night Stalker, and we are going to be talking about... What are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about... Bad Medicine. That's right. We get into Richard... named that song after this episode. Into Richard Keel territory. Detroit's own Richard Keel. Back-to-back Keelonomics. Oh, man. I can't wait. That's like one of many appearances if memory serves yeah he's in back-to-back episodes oh man i can't literally wait. back-to-back i can't wait and if there's and if i have anything to say about it i'll be waiting for you in the parking lot <laughs> and we're going to be joined by ought five films mike wallace who has been blowing down the doors trying to get on this podcast so he loves kolchak so hopefully it'll be a good show i can't wait to work with mike wallace i've been watching him on 60 minutes all these years <laughs> hello i'm mike wallace from 60 minutes doug panero lived with a fear he finally came to see a fear i know too well of a question that holds a terrible answer. Should I ever look into the eye of the monster I'm chasing? Whose face would I see? <laughs> 